Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of We've Seen Enough. And i got to welcome back Tommy Trevisani from his road trip. He went out to Chicago and Indianapolis to see the Bears and the Indianapolis Colts and his son who's working on the sidelines for the Colts. Tommy, how was your trip? It was phenomenal, Jim. It was a great time. You know, we drove out there, as you know, like the you Grizzlies. You drove out there? To start, which, Gee, which he, is pretty unbelievable. Yes, I did. You're more insane than I think you are. I am. So what was it like? You got to see uh, two football games? Two football games. Yeah, we went out there on a week ago Friday. It took about 16, 17 hours. And um, we saw the Bears game on the Thursday night, which, not to bring up, <laughs> it was just a very, it wasn't, you couldn't, it was a snoozer. It was just a very, it, uh, it was a lousy game. Too bad. I mean, I was obviously rooting for the Bears because a good friend of mine is, he's actually a linebacker's coach for the team. So, of course, they lost a tough one. And then, you know, we, we left there, and then we went to the game on Sunday. We stayed in Indy for a few days, and I went to visit my son Justin, and we went to the Colts game, which was a great game on Sunday. So, so a lot of scoring. and So not the name drop, but who's the friend of yours who gets your tickets and everything to the Bears? What's yeah, this, yeah well, this? I'm going to – yeah, it's, um, there's actually two – actually, his name is David Bagonzi. He's actually uh, from Everett. He's from Everett originally. He's a good old friend. He's married to my wife's first cousin, and he's – Worked in the NFL now about 10 years. He's worked his way up, and he's the middle linebacker's coach for the Chicago Bears. So what do you think? Maybe get him on the show? Absolutely. He already said he would love to do it, so that is definitely the plan. And also, to throw out, he has a, his brother is actually the assistant general manager for the Kansas City Chiefs. His name is Michael Bagonzi, and we're going to have him on, too. Oh, so we can tell him how crappy that pick of Mahomes was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what's going to Were you Were you responsible for the Mahomes pick? Well, you know what? It seems about eight people have taken credit for that one, but he, he was definitely in the war room on that one. And how's my buddy Justin doing out there in and Indy? Justin's doing phenomenal. You know, you know Justin, he doesn't say much, but he's plug-in. He's making a lot of good contacts, and, you know, he's working about 70, 80 hours a week, but he seems to be loving it and we were on the field with him on Sunday and uh, it's just a great experience Jim if I could do it all over again I'd probably go do it for nothing if I if I could because it's just it's a phenomenal experience he's learning a lot and you know they're working him hard but you know you have to start somewhere so I'm I'm proud of him. From what my well, Jack's telling me, he's like a superstar on TV every weekend. He's yep. like he's like a, he's on the home sideline. I think is that he, right? He is in the visits and he travels oh, with visit. the team too because yes, because he actually does. You know, he's actually the ball boy during the game. So yeah, you actually see him and he's been on TV a lot, which is kind of funny. He doesn't say hi, Dad. He says hi, Mom, doesn't he? Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> you know how those kids are these days. So you got to see some football. Um, you know, like like the the thought process of the show today is let's talk about the month of October. I mean, you can't get a better sports month than the month of October, right? You got baseball in the playoffs. You got football hitting the, hitting its stride. You got college football looking at the conference games. All these conference games are going on. You got the NBA starting. You got the NHL starting. Well, real quickly, I'm going to go with the NBA start. Start with you, NBA. Uh, why don't you just give me a brief synopsis of what's going to happen with our Celtics? Well, you you don't like our first part. Podcast, as you know, we talked about with the coach and what happened. So that seems to be old news now. But, um, you know, Jim, like we said again, I think the Celtics are going to be very good. I mean, they have a lot of talent, as you know, in coaching. You know, usually the players win in that league. And I see the Celtics, I, you know, I think they win about 50, 55 games this year. And I think they're going to be in the top three in the East. Okay, so who wins the East? Is it going to be your friends from Philadelphia? 
mm-hmm. the 76ers? Is it going to be our friends with the greatest player on, on the earth right now at Milwaukee, or is it going to be the Celts? Who do you like for the East? You know, Jim, I'm going to go with this is a tough. I don't. I think I'm going to go with Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is going to probably be the first seed. I, I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be maybe a difference of two, three games. But I'm going to take Milwaukee because you said they have the they have they do have the best player in the world. So yeah, I'm probably going to lean towards them. So we got Milwaukee out of the East from from, from Tommy. This is the prognostication part of the program. <laughs> we got Milwaukee. What about the West? What, what are we looking at the West? I got. What about the Lakers? Come on, you can't. You, how can you fault LeBron? Come on, how can you fault Anthony Davis? And they got Russell Westbrook to screw up the the pooch. You know, with them, it's but LeBron seems like you know, last year he was out a lot. He seems rested. He looks like he's ready to go. And Jim, if, I'll still say to this day, if I had one game, it was the last game that you needed someone and someone had to perform. He's still, as far as I'm concerned, still the best player. Like when he wants to be. Like I know with this this uh, load management and all that, but he's still. If I had one game and I had to play a play, I'll tell you, it would be him. Yeah, that's because you couldn't play Larry because he can't walk anymore. <laughs> wow, well, we don't want to talk. Yeah, I'm just talking about I today's know. players. Okay, right. so the West. I'm just joking about the Lakers. That's a that is a just a cluster f of that you wouldn't believe of a program. Totally. They're trying to buy pieces that don't fit. So in the West, we I would say West. I'm probably looking at uh, Phoenix. The Clippers and the Warriors. What, what do you think? I kind of agree. Again, Golden State, you know, Curry's getting a little older too now. and But I still think Golden State is the team to beat. You're right. I agree with you. And the Clippers too. But they always seem to choke in the playoffs. And, and you know, Phoenix is another. They're a very decent team. But, you know, last year I was kind of surprised how Dallas kind of beat them pretty handily there. Well, that's because Dallas has got the, the Luka man. You know, kind of another guy. Here's, here's you talk about players. Well, He's another great player again. I don't want to start the comparisons, but he's definitely no Larry Bird. But he's got those a lot of those similarities. But he is a great player. There's no question about it. Okay, so you've got Milwaukee come out of the East. Who you got to come out of the West? I'm going to go with. You know, I'm going to probably go with Golden State. Okay, so now I get to pick. I'll go. I'm going to take yeah. the Celts because why not? You know, why a little front runner home homer? You know, they've got the two good young studs. Uh, they picked up Brogdon, hopefully to help with some of the coming off the bench, running the point, take Marcus Smart away from the ball a little bit. Get If they can get guys healthy, they do have the coaching issue. But now, for the Celtics, honestly, that's about health. you got to make sure Rob Williams is healthy. you got to make sure that the deeper part of the bench is healthy, just like Golden State. So I'm going to go away from Golden State. So i got the Celtics. I'm going to go with the Clippers. Isn't it about time that, that Kawhi and Paul George actually put something together? Again, health is so funny because we can talk about with the Bucks and the Sixers. But I'll, I'll stick with the Celtics and the, and the Clippers and just aggravate everybody. I'll pick the Clippers to win it all because L.A. hasn't wow. won anything for a while. Because they seem like the city of chokers ever since they won the, they won the last two titles in the uh, what we'll call the COVID years. You know the Dodgers won in, in, with nobody playing in the sixty game season, and the Lakers won with nobody in the stands in the COVID in the COVID camp down there in in Orlando. That's right. You're right. So let's go. So we got basketball squared away. Who best player in the uh, top five? Best player in the game? You think is Giannis? Right. Now, I'm going to say Giannis. Yes. Okay, and Giannis over Durant. Not even Durant. I would probably you got to probably say Giannis, the kid for Dallas, as we talked about. And I'll tell you, Curry's still a pretty good play. He's still in my top three. Yeah, yeah. And Curry actually has helped to change the game no uh, as we know it. So, okay, we got him out of basketball, which is great because you know we talk about basketball, football all the time on this podcast. And uh, let's go to a subject that is is near and dear to my heart. We're talking about October. October means playoff baseball, and we've seen a lot of really good, interesting, close games in the playoffs. 
We started off by in 19, in, in actually, let's go back, 1968, you had only two teams make the playoffs, the two champions of the leagues. They played in the World Series, best of seven. 69, they get, added a couple teams. They went to split divisions. The two division winners made the tournament, and they played to get to the World Series. Then in 1995, after the strike, they added a, they added the first wild card. Then in the early part of the, uh, the decade of the 2010s, they added the second wild card. And this year, they've added a third wild card, which really you would, you would have thought would have given the advantage to the teams that didn't have to play in the first round. But we've seen in the National League, the Phillies have now gone through the Cardinals and the Braves, mm-hmm. and the Padres have gone through, and I got to just do it, the Mets and the Dodgers. the Dodgers. So the two big market teams. <clears throat> in the American League, we're a little more closer to form that the Astros destroyed Seattle, and now we got a game five as we're speaking. They'll be playing shortly. So do you do – you, what do you see as baseball players? We talk about this 162 games, all of a sudden, bang, you're playing these quick games. What do, what do you got with that? What's that? That's what they say to you. I, you know, Jim, I think what they should do is I kind of like how they added the teams on into the playoffs because baseball is, as we would say, it's a long season. It's a marathon. So I think what they do at the playoffs is fine with adding these extra teams, but I think what they maybe should do is going forward, I think maybe they should cut the regular season a little bit. I don't know if you agree. Maybe go down to like 140, 145 games and maybe still keep this format. I think that's what they should do. Maybe just cut the the regular season just a little bit. You're talking about 190 games. They play almost into November 2nd. That, to me, is a little it's a little too much. But, you know, it's all about the money, and I understand this and the TV revenue. But So then you'd be a proponent of going shorter regular season, have the three wild cards and the one division champion play in a best of three home like they set up. And then what I would do, if you, if you could cut the time, yep. I would make the ALDS a best of seven. So then, you know, a little bit more uh, leeway for you lose that if like the, you lose that first game at home, and then all of a sudden you're you're going to play the next two of the next three games. You got to play on the road, uh, and and you know you never know with baseball with pitching, but best of yep. seven at least equalizes that a little bit. But it also gives um, our good friend Mister. Uh, let me think who's who I want to make fun of right now. Uh, now we won't make fun of anybody. It also gives the manager or managers an opportunity to choke. Uh, and they make moves that they, they, they play it not the way they would have played it during the regular season. And the only way you change is with that is with your bullpen. You know, Dave Roberts, sorry about that, Dave, because it's like been, what, uh, a year ago, two days when he stole the base in, uh, a year ago. That's uh, right, 1990. What is now, 18 years ago. 2004, right, yeah. So, yeah, so, but I think that the way the baseball's played now, going to best of seven for the ALDS would at least equalize a little bit of the, of the randomness of baseball. But that's one good thing about the, these playoffs. So it's very random. You get Phillies get hot. They're 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 home run hitting, power hitting, offensive juggernaut. They got two good starters. They beat the Braves. San Diego with all those all the money they spent. They have some good starting pitching, and they beat the Dodgers. You know, Houston is really like probably the best team left. But and then you got the Yankees who have no offense except for hitting home runs against Cleveland, who has no offense except for one player. So I totally agree with that. I think going to the this format works. You know, it makes the regular season more meaningful because you have that one extra player, uh, extra team or two extra teams in the playoffs. But it also then takes a little bit away from that first round of the playoffs and the division series. So yeah, I, I'll go with, I, I, you can't shorten a season because you're not taking money out of the pocket of the owner. But you can come up with some strategies that would at least, at least give the the team that wins the division has the two best records in baseball. Gives them some kind of leave even more of an advantage. You know, like in football, we'll go to football real quick. The yep. the bye, the bye week. Now that it's only down to one bye week, that's huge. 
it's huge. Now, we'll see how it plays out over the course of the next uh, couple of years. But that's been huge. It was huge for the Patriots. Whenever they got the bye week, they, they automatically were one win away from making the uh, conference championship. So Right, and then all those years, you know, they were always at home pretty much the two games. They just had to win the two games to get to the Super Bowl. And all the other years, when if you kind of remember, when they had to play on the road or I think they're like two or three on the road. So, yeah, it's always, you know, it seemed like when they did get the buys, it did work out better for them. So uh, football, like we talked about a little bit earlier, we're going. We're starting to get. We're starting to feel each other out. See yep. what the league looks like. And if you want my honest opinion, the league, the league looks like complete garbage. I mean, there's there's not there's everybody's three and three. There's really not a, a few teams that are really stick, stepping up or sticking out. The Eagles are sticking out. Buffalo's sticking out. Kansas City looks good. Mm-hmm. Even the Vikings look right now good. But ever like, you look at the NFC, everybody's three and three. What the heck is going on? Well, Jim, the parody is unbelievable. Like you said, Philly six and zero, and about you know two three years ago, when this kid was the quarterback, and of course they let Wentz go. I'm like, I don't think this kid was really going to be an NFL quarterback. And I'm looking now, and I'm like, I might have been wrong about him. He can run, he can pass. But the Nick Sirianni coach, he's a pretty good coach over there. He was part of that indie tree, so he's doing some good things over there. But the parody is. It's just unbelievable, like, in the NFL right now. It's like every week you just do not know. What was there, 50 games have been decided by one or less possessions or something like that, if I'm saying it right? And, uh, it's something out, you, unusual and outrageous. But even even that, you went to the game by Tuesday, that Thursday night game in Chicago. That was a horrible football game. The next week, and, and Jeff Bezos is paying shit, a, a boatload of money. So you've got, uh, you got two consecutive Thursday nights. Horrible matchups to begin with. Terrible. But, but again... It's bad football. You're watching bad football now. What's what are the factors? Okay, you know, you and I have always had this discussion. You can't win without a quarterback. You know, so how many really good quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Now you saw Chicago play. Who? Who were the four yeah. teams you saw All right, play? So Chicago and Washington. So okay. you got Wentz and you got Fields. Yeah, and then you and saw then you saw Indy and. Indian Jacksonville, which of course is Ryan Matt Ryan, who's been in the league about sixteen years, and you have um the new kid Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, which is still as good as he is now. He didn't he didn't throw you know he didn't play great Sunday. He didn't th- he only threw for like hundred and twenty yards. So again, those four quarterbacks. One was a uh, top five picks. Yeah, Fields was the number six pick. So think, four right? of the three of the four were top three picks. Oh yeah, man. And absolutely. So these are these are these guys taken early in the draft, and they're playing games where they're kicking field goals. So is it the quarterback? Is it the the defenses are just better now, but you can't hit a quarterback, or is it the coaches are just playing coaches? Or I think it's all coaching. I think that the reason why the Patriots are winning is coaching because this guy knows what he's doing. You know, Belichick is 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 so. His, his intellect is so far ahead of everyone else's. You know, he, he gets his quarterback hurt. He's got a guy he, he subs in. So when anybody that's complaining that, that the guy Rivera down in Washington, well, I got, they got Carson Wentz. He, he, I, can't, I can't integrate him. He just came in. Belichick is bringing guys in and out. Then I watched Brissett play against him this weekend, and he's, he looks he's look horrible. Terrible. So coaches, I think coaches are getting, they're younger, so they get, they're, they're really – I think very conservative with their with their philosophies on on moving the football and, and if you don't have a quarterback that can can move the football, you gotta have a defense that can win. So the it seems like we're going more defensive than we all are offensive. Well, we are. I mean, just use the you know the Patriots for an example. He you know of course great Tom Brady sixth round, but Belichick thinks it's the I think again with Belichick it's the system like he plays. Everyone thinks with Belichick don't turn the ball over, don't beat yourself. Play good field position, you know, punt the ball. There's nothing wrong with punting. 
Win with your defense, have a good, strong kicking game, and the quarterback has to make a few plays once in a while. And this philosophy has worked, and everyone's now this Bailey Zappi kid. I want to get into him. Listen, he looks all right. There was a reason why he was a fourth-round pick. He's a backup. That's all he is. I mean, he can go on and win six or seven in a row. He's still a backup, but he's a nice player. He's a nice player to come in. What he's, what's he doing? He's being very conservative. He's throwing, you know, five, six, seven-yard, you know, outs, plays across the middle. This is like what Brady did his first few years in the league. People forget this, Jim. Brady was a game manager. For his first four years in the league, everyone says this, that they don't even know what they're talking about. For first four years, if he threw for 250 yards, it was a big deal. They won with those great defenses, Jim, and their best player at the time, people don't remember, was their field goal kicker, was Adam Venteri. Well, I wouldn't say that so much. The best player was Venteri. They had some pretty good defensive players. But you know, they did, but you know, I always used to... The most valuable player was... God rest my father, so he used to joke, but he was, yes. Like, he always made the big kicks. They would win ugly games. They would win with defense. And they would not turn the ball over. Well, in reality, the surprise of this Patriots team is Nick Folk. Nick Folk? Nick Folk makes every field goal? Isn't it? What's it, like 30-something in a row, right? Must I don't be, know. There must be something in the water down there in Foxborough. Crazy. Well, a few years ago, Jim, he was in Tampa Bay because, as you mentioned, my friend I mentioned earlier worked in the team. He couldn't even kick a 20-yard field goal Correct. back then. Correct. But I don't know what happened to him. He went to New England, and he changed his whole career around. So, again, now you got Belichick, a senior coach. you got all these younger coaches, not that they're emulating, emulating Belichick. Who, but look at the Giants are, what, 5-1? and one? He coached here. Yes, he. That's he right, Jim. With, he was he part of the tree. Yep. And he coached with Buffalo. He did. You know the Jets. I don't know okay, what tree he's from. The Jets are surprising people. The Vikings. And but but then you have the 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 guys like uh, Chargers. You're struggling. That's a young guy. Everybody. He's. I, I love the guy and everything. But and he's a great guy. He says a lot of nice things. But you know you're struggling. And you have uh, even the tree guy out there in uh, Las Vegas from from Belichick. You know, he's struggling out there. So so we talked about that first show. It's all about the it's, X's and O's are great, but if you don't got the Jimmys and the Joes, you're not going to win. Absolutely. And you've probably seen that in your trips out to Indy and Chicago. Yeah, you just can only win so far. You need the quarterback. It helps. It does. It, it does. It helps. But, again. So, like I said, we're into a I, – I, I consider it a mediocre NFL season so far. I mean, there's some really great teams. Uh, you know, that game, uh, the Sunday night game with the uh, Sunday afternoon game with Kansas City and Buffalo was a great football game, but it was still 24-20. Defenses, they, they was let them, let them play within the 20s. It was it's that Belichick mindset. Let them play within the 20s and, and either kick a field goal or turn them over. Uh, and, again, I agree with you on Zabby. Uh, Zappy is what he is. He's like he's managing the game. They're winning with some defense. They're not. They haven't played really. They haven't played teams that have. They've played teams that have good offense. You know, Detroit had the best offensive t- offensive scoring team. Uh, and Cleveland had the best rushing attack. So they haven't played a team with well, a great defense. Who's gonna Who's gonna make him have to work? Well, Jim, and again, let's start saying. You look at the schedule, you know, when they get Buffalo twice, God knows if we'll be in by them, but then we'll start talking. They have to start playing Cleveland, Cleveland, and like you said, Detroit. I don't mean to, it's like they're playing their cousins. Come on, let's say. They, they, they got a relatively uh, pretty easy schedule. They do, Jim, but as you know, it looks like the Jets are coming up, but they look like they look like a little better of a team right now. But it looks like their front four is real good, Jim, but they're still, be, they're still the Jets and the Patriots, you know what I mean? The <laughs> Patriots have their number. Isn't that a great thing? They're still they're the still Jets. They're still the Jets, and they can just not beat the Patriots. But so you said, coming up the next three or four games, they look all winnable. That's that is very true. I agree with that. All that says. So now we've we've talked to NFL, we've talked to NBA, we've talked to NHL. Um, not NHL. We'll talk about it. Well, you know about I'll hockey. Uh, hockey. I, uh, I know. You know, know hockey guy. You know. You know what I know about hockey? They play it on ice. They there's do. A, there's a lot of crazy crazy names that you'd have to announce if you do it because hockey's hockey's uh, just real quick on hockey. Hockey's a truly international event now. 
So uh, as, ever since the, uh, the the Iron Curtain went down there, the Berlin Wall fell, we got a lot of good, great foreign players coming in, which has made the league a lot better. So, for, but we'll, we'll someday we'll talk about the NHL. We got to get an NHL expert in here because I sure as heck ain't that NHL expert. But let's go to the my, one of my favorite things in the fall is college football. Um, college football now we're in the middle of the conference season. You know now we're now the you know all those all those cheap games the Alabamas and and uh, LSU's and and Georgias are playing against the little sisters of the poor and <laughs> Temple and all those guys in UMass teams that can't win right now. Now we're in conference play, and, and it's, this is the great time of year where, you know, it's a beautiful fall day. Uh, Villa, uh, Villanova, geez. Um, Alabama goes into, um, wow. into Tennessee, on, into Rocky Top, and plays this magnificent football game where it's won because a kicker couldn't make a kick and a kicker could make a kick. And uh, it's just incredible. Well, yeah, if I can, you know, if I could intervene on that game, Jim, you know, of course I was away, but I watched it. What a great college football game. But if you agree... For Alabama, as we know them, to give up 52 points, that's where, that's not the same. And they're talking about this kid, the new number one pick, and, but they were double and triple teaming him. You can see the talent, but they're just very unusual for Alabama teams. I've never seen them get the ball moved on. The last few years, Jim, they kind of try to outscore people now. Those aren't the Alabama teams from three, four years ago where their defenses were still produce these first-round picks, but it seems like you can move the ball on them now, which is, I thought Tennessee just moved the ball at will on them. I yeah, thought that I, was a little unusual. Yeah, well, Tennessee's got a coach that's going to go quick and move the ball quick anyway. Um, right, that's the know. one from Central Florida. Correct. That, yeah, right, yes. right. Yes. And then it's, 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 it's the philosophy that Alabama knows they can score with you, and right. maybe they can't beat you. I thought that game early on, Tennessee just took it to them. They, they smashed them in the mouth coming out of the tunnel. And once you do that to Alabama on the heels, Alabama came back from like 14, 17 points down consistently. And they had the ball late, missed the field goal. And we've always talked about field goal kicking. It, it separates the wheat from the chafe in, in college football in the top level. If you don't have somebody who can kick, you know, you know you're going to lose games. Like the kick six. Let's go back to that. Alabama lost Auburn. Uh, but give Tennessee a little bit of credit. You know, they, they came out. They, they built, he's built a really big team. Uh, and a good team, an offensive team, and a fun to watch team, but he also plays in the uh, in the uh, other side of the um, SEC. So he's going to have to eventually run into the big old bad Georgia uh, and, and anybody else down the road. So, it's, it's, but it's a we're in the middle of conference play. So you go to the Pac-10, UCLA loses, USC, excuse me, it was flying high and loses to Utah. Um, and it's just a matter of conference play. What do you think? What? Why is it such a, always? It's always much more exciting than all the boring uh, preseason stuff we see. Well, you know, as you know, conference games are always different. And like you said, those first few games of the season, like you said, they get these, you know, they play, like you said, the Apple. Well, they're a good team. But like you said, you know, the Sisters of the Poor, as you say. And I said Temple. Uh, no, you are, not even Temple. Like I always used to use the expression, you know, they're playing their cousins. Yeah. And I just think conference play, like you said, it's different. Again, the talent is, I know even with these schools, like they're closer than what you think. It's just when when it comes to conference play, it's just like you said, it's more enjoyable. The teams seem to be hungrier. And it's just with all the parity now, too, in college football, and you know, you just get greater games and they're just funner to watch. Well, the parity, I agree with you, except for the parity at the top. I mean, we seem to always have the same teams. Yes. Uh, you know, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons. Every once in a while, Oklahoma got their ass kicked by uh, Texas. You know, and we got Oregon was in there for a while and, and Florida State. But really, the parity, I think, is really counsel. And you can you can answer this. It's caused by two things. The NIL, which is the money that's being pumped in, and which is great for the player. And then you also have the transfer portal. 
yes. which is a great equalizer. A kid goes to Alabama and he's fourth string. He doesn't wait till he's a senior to play. He's going to go. He says, well, "I'm moving and I'm going down." Maybe if it goes down into a into a pit or Syracuse, those teams can rebound really quick. Like you said, it is unbelievable. And even the transfer portal, it's amazing how even you see Alabama. How about the kids that are transferring into there now? They're probably going to school and they want to maybe get themselves bigger up in the draft position. So they come to Alabama and somehow they have, like, he plays them. It can go both ways. But on that note, I definitely agree. The transfer portal, again, not to switch this out, what it's done in college basketball is completely insane. Correct. Correct. It's like I can't even keep up with it anymore, Jim. Like a team, that St. Peter's who made that run. Not to bring them. They made the Elite Eight. Do you know out of their first 11 guys, nine left. The guy got the job at Seton Hall, and they're all gone. The whole team just completely. Do I like the role? Yes and no, I do. What they should go back on the transfer portal, if you agree with me, is you should be able to sit out that year. I don't know if you know that. Now, yeah. you can go right back in. I know COVID changes, but you have to at least wait a year. Let the kid, I just think now it's just getting to the point now where these kids go to these schools, they don't even play, and like they're gone. And don't get me wrong, they should have the right to transfer and to play wherever they want, but I just think it's got a little, I don't know, the rules kind of got a little out of control, I think. I just think now it's just like everyone's transferring. So if I heard you correctly, right. you're saying let them transfer, which was the old, are you going with the old rule or are you going with no, the No, I think with the, the modified old rule where they got to transfer, Jim, but they got to sit out that year. I think you should be able to transfer once or, and no sit out. The okay. next time you transfer, you sit the year. Well, that's what I meant, but the old okay. rule, if you remember. The old rule, you have, you have to, to transfer, you have to sit out. Yeah, I even think the whole year, maybe, because it's getting to the point now where these teams, if you're watching these teams, not even, they're like seven or eight players. They're all transfers. So yeah. these coaches that are coming in, they're not even, I mean, they're not even really, they're just taking all these transfer kids and they make, you know, like the teams like Nevada, which they're famous for that, and they take a lot of the kids from the other schools. I'm not saying it makes college basketball more exciting. It helps for the mid-majors. But I just think the rules got to the point now where, I mean, it helps with the parity. But I know that's just my honest opinion but on that. All, but again, then you can look at the flip side. I, I, I think that it's been, it's not been abused because a player should be able to do whatever he wants. If he wants to go A to B to C, that's fine. Absolutely. You know, and if he, if a kid playing, if you have a, you have a kid playing at, at the, uh, at the, uh, the G5 level, you know, like at let's say Troy State, right? And he's good, and he's got NFL, he's got a little bit of NFL pedigree, and and then uh, LSU or Georgia or Alabama will take him and play him. I, God bless the kid who wants to go and get make it. It's his, that's his livelihood. He's not going to have a big period of time, but you also run into the fact that now you're recruiting, you're recruiting the transfer pool all year, and you're recruiting the high school kids. During this the recruiting period, so so coaching is really it it becomes more and more and more and more about retaining your player, and then recruiting a player that you don't retain, and then and then going to get the bring in the kids you need to bring in that you're gonna to have to then recruit again when they're here for a year and they think they're good and they're gonna go somewhere else. So I think it's it's great for the player, no doubt about it. Is it is on the at football level, it's great for the, the, the upper-level teams because they can pick and choose. They can cherry-pick the player they want to bring in from a, lower, a smaller school. Mm. Well, not a smaller school, but a school that it's not up on the, tr- up on the, on the, on the tree there. But, and for basketball, it's just ridiculous because kids are moving anyway because basketball coaches go come and go. And, and it, but it, it doesn't really allow for stability, but it allows for competitiveness, and it allows for more opportunity for more kids in more places. Exactly. Well, that's why, like, we talk about the mid-majors, and that's why I still love those schools where 
you, you see these kids, and they stay three or four years. They actually stay, and you know they're very competitive, and they just stay at the school there, and like they don't transfer out. And just to me, like that's kind of more like old school. But I, I used to like that way. I just think, but I just like that way better than how it is now. It just doesn't seem like it's like that anymore. It's these kids are just coming in, and if they don't find out they play their first year, like you said, they're leaving, they're going to another school, they're transferring, and they just don't wait. And that is. Also, too, I agree that should be up to the that should be up to the student athlete too. Yeah, I agree with that too. But it just things have just changed now, and then a lot of the times too, Jim, the coaches go for another job. They're looking to get more money, and that ain't right either. They kind of promise the kid the world. The kid comes in and one, and the coach leaves. That's correct. Does that? That's <laughs> the, another point. The coach is bagging. The coach yep. is making all the money. All the money is being made by everybody but the player. Totally agree. So, so at some point in the podcast, we'll talk about NIL, the name, image, oh. and likeness, and yep. how that's going to eventually going to change the way the world works. Anyway, and with the transfer portal, you know, if you're if you're if you're doing well, and somebody's going to offer you more money somewhere else, you might as well go take the money. If I'm the kid, I'm taking the money. So, uh, but that's October. This is what we deal with. We're lucky. It's 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 it the month a, of it, October, and everything everything's happening. If you're if you're lucky enough to be like I uh, will say. In Philadelphia, where they have the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers are playing all at once, plus some college football. Uh, if you're lucky enough to be in one of those towns, there's there's there could be a day on a Sunday where everybody's playing. So that's why I, I think of the of all the I love April, May, and springtime because baseball starts. But yep. October, I can you can't beat it for sports months. No, it's it's like so, you said, off it, it is. It's a great time. So let's do a quick transition. Next next part of the program, and we're going to get some some sound effects here because that would be the bell for the first round. Tommy right. beat the beat the living daylights out of me at first round. So I had to ring the bell, I'll go regroup in my corner, get some Vaseline on the cuts. Let's put the gloves water. on, Jimbo. Come yeah, on. So so now we're gonna. This is a good comparison. Let's just look at Bill Belichick. Uh, I mean, give me give us about a two minutes uh, diatribe, Tommy Belichick versus the great coaches of the past. So so let me let me give you my great coaches. We're gonna compare right. to yep. you know, George Hallis, which is he's just George Hallis. You were right. out there in Chicago. Uh, you got Tom Landry, right? You Absolutely. got Vince Lombardi. You got Don Shula. You got Bill Walsh. Guys who have won. You know, but how's Bill? Where's Bill ranked? Could Bill coach? Could Bill coach with them, or could they coach with Bill in, in today's game? You know, Jim. Again, those coaches you mentioned, and of course Walsh. I did see, like in in the '80s. So these other guys were before my time, but I read about them. And Shula's not I, before your time. No, oh, I'm sorry. And then well, Shula too. You're I old. Forgot, oh, see, you, you caught me. You're just I'm an old at, man. I don't start. All right, you won that one. So you know, I saw <laughs> Shula and um. And, <laughs> <laughs> I saw Schuler and I saw Bill Walsh. And as you know, Bill Walsh with the West Coast offense, he's the one who, you hear the stories about him. He was always thinking, Jim, like a short story. He was once, he was actually sitting in his hotel and he was watching the previews of Mississippi Valley State. And this is a true story. And he's like, who's this kid? He scored eight touchdowns. That was Jerry Rice at the time. Do you know he was actually already diagramming plays to trade up to get this guy? It's just... He was just ahead of his time. He was great. You know, Don Shula, obviously, with that undefeated team was great. But, like, to compare, Belichick could have, I don't know, Belichick is definitely, you have to put him right there. I mean, I'm biased. He is a great coach. There's something about him. But, again, what's he? He's been 41-39 and 39 here since, I kind of want to know, I think he's two games over 500 since Brady's left. But the guy is definitely, he's, you got to put him right there in the top three. I definitely put him in my top three. I probably would have to say him. I would probably say Bill Walsh, and I didn't see Vince Lombardi. From what I hear about Vince Lombardi, because he's Italian too, so I got to throw him in there. But Vince Lombardi's Italian, is he? I think so. Yeah, he ends in an. Oh, here Lombardi. we go again. I don't know. Sounds like he ends in a vowel, but maybe I'm just not. Just looking at my list here, George Hallis is an Italian. Shula's Italian. He ends in an I. Come on, we. No, I agree. I think that with 
my comparison is that one thing I think that Belichick does really well is he utilizes one through 53 of his roster, which is evident even in today's world. You know, it wasn't all because he had Tom Brady. It was because he had a roster that could win. It was because he understood how to manage that roster. He understood that you win in the end with defense, turn it over, not turn it over, special teams, offense, quarterbacks. He had he, he, he was that complete package. You know, and, and back if you if we look at Hallis and Lombardi, I mean I never saw Hallis, but I did I was old enough to know. I, I remember I was down the Jersey Shore the day that Vince Lombardi died in nineteen seventy. Um, wow. I just remember that I was down the Jersey Shore, and yeah, um, I was born. Yeah, so that's how old I am. Jeez, don't make <laughs> me feel bad, Tommy. Jeez, I don't know. So, so Lombardi, those what I, I like to. And this is some another topic for another. Day. What what makes the good coach? Why is Belichick? What makes Belichick what he is? And is there is there a quality there that we can always you can pick off and say. He learned this from Hal, and I think there's one thing about him. He's a historian. He's a, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he knows the game. He's educated in the history of the game and how things operate. So he knows that George Hallis did this. He knows that Vince Lombardi worked it this way. He knows Tom Landry, Don Shula, Bill Walsh. They all did it that, that specific way. So, again, he's taking all that knowledge, and he, and he puts it into a package. So, again, comparing, it's hard because he's really he's won, and he continues to win. And he's been on winning. He's been on the winning side as well with 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 Bill Parcells when he went with the Giants. Absolutely. But I think being a historian and being a really a great student of the game helps. But at some, I, I'll make a note on my list. At some point, we need to have a discussion on what makes a good coach. You know, we talk about X's and O's and Jimmys and Joes. That's great. But somebody's got to pick the Jimmys and the Joes, and somebody's got to create the X's and the O's. So Bill Walsh, classic example. You even made it. You you made the point. Bill Walsh saw this X, saw this Jimmy and Joe, and created XO. So we could make it make it work. Well, Jim, think about it, and that's when they had the great teams, and you know the famous deal. He actually traded up with the Patriots to get him, if you remember that year. And you're talking about, as far as I'm concerned, one of the three greatest players, and you know, you know him, Brady, and you probably have to put who's the third guy? Maybe Jim Brown is one of the you know Jerry is one of the greatest football players that ever lived. Jim Brown. No, I put him in there. You got to put him in there. You can't compare again. One thing before your time. One thing I, 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 you can't really compare errors in football. It's hard. I think coaching-wise, we can look at it and say, what well, coaches were successful, and Lombardi was successful because he went in there, he built his offensive and defensive lines first because that's what he was, and he was powerful up front in, right. in both sides of the ball. And then he took a quarterback who was a smart quarterback, who was a game manager quarterback, and he managed the game. Right. You know, Shula had the Unitas, then he had Gracie game managers. Right. Uh, and then as we move forward, Tom Landry opened the game up a little bit. He liked he to did. throw the ball deep. He liked to do razzle-dazzle. He, he, he brought us the shotgun a little bit so his quarterback be setting really quicker you know so again every coach and every year gets better and better and I think that we I think that's just a in reality to me I'm, I'll make a note someday we'll have to talk about that you know what what are the qualities no matter what the sport is what's the qualities of a coach that really makes a good coach so and I think Belichick is one that you can almost see except for the fact that he's just a he's just a sourpuss when it comes to meeting with the media but even that's a game plan he's even playing with them there Jim I, I don't mean to you couldn't have said it any better that's all because everyone says, you see the way he acts. And these plays, I just think he's a totally different person in the locker room from what you hear. The thing with the media, that's all part of his, this is what he just does. I mean, he doesn't want the media to know anything. He trains all his players the way how to talk. And what he's doing down there, I couldn't have said it any better. From 1 to 53, he treats player 53 like he treats player 1. I really believe that. And you hear the stories with Brady and about going in early. He was always the first one there. And... 
but like you saw there the last year there where he Belichick really took it out on him. He got mad at him. He still this is a guy who was in the in the league twenty years and he's still on him. He's still he on him. He should have been on the bum. You know why he should have been on the I bum? I know you're not. I he should have been on the bum because he was, he's, he's flirting around with Miami to try to get ownership. I totally agree, Jimmy. That's, that's a, it just, I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, but let, no, let's get into shit. it. Not only complete horseshit. Brady's complete horseshit. Cause you're, I totally agree. I'm not saying like he's kind of a little bit of a phony, but he's kind of wore on little me a little. Bit. I know, I know, but he's wore on me. I'll tell you one thing about with Bill Be- It didn't matter with Bill Belichick with that. That's why he's like, this is a team. Correct. And I'm going to do it my way. We totally agree on that subject. And, I mean, and that's what you got to love about Belichick. And one thing is, he's going to just do it his way. That's right. And he's I think win or lose his way. Right? Jim, I agree. And I think Brady started to become a little bit of a prima donna. A little bit. I know. Oh my God, a little bit. If you go both ways, why? Well, I totally. I invited him to our podcast. He couldn't get his head through my door for Christ's oh, sake. Oh, oh my God! Believe me. Yeah. And if he plays, and if he doesn't, and if he just doesn't call it quits after this year, come on now. He should have called it quits when he won with Tampa. Uh, after that, we are. Okay. Totally agree. Mo- moving on to our next segment, which is the Mount Rushmore. Now, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, this is, I, I want to look at, um, like, the major events of, that would make a Mount Rushmore. Now, you know, easily would say the Olympics, which at one point were really big and now have, have diminished in size. You know, you have your, your Super Bowl. You have your NCAA first round, second round. You have NCAA Final Four. You've got your, your Major League Baseball World Series of Playoffs. So let's real quickly. What if there's one that you put? What what would you put at the top? Like which, which event? Oh, you know, which, which event? event? Which event? This could be you know, like I said, one game or multiple series of games. What do you think would be at the top of the list, Tom? You know, Jim, we could go back and forth, but I'm going to probably say because it's one game and anything can happen. I'm probably going to say the Super Bowl. Okay, I'll let you. I, that's, that's, you that's, that's, if I'm going to give the even though some of the games, you know. They've been better the last few years, but, you know, there's been some horrible ones because it's one game, Jim. Anything can happen. If you get to these series like the World Series and and uh, the NBA playoffs, and they're just so long. They, they tend to drag. You know, it's four out of seven and so forth. I just think football because it's one game. Yep. And it can go either way. Now, my, my argument to that is football right. drag because they start the playoffs in, like, December and they finish the World Super Bowl in February. <laughs> so you, 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 everybody gives everybody gives crap to seven. But, again, football's a one, football is an event in itself. That's why it's so popular in America. Right. It's, 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 it's a one-a-day event. So Super Bowl, National Championship game, those, those football one-day events, you know, it's, it's, it's something – the build-up to it, the tailgating, the partying, everything – it's great. I'll give you the, okay, so we got the Super Bowl. Let me go with, I'm going to go with, with with the World Cup in soccer as a big event worldwide. Soccer, event. interesting. Soccer there, because the World Cup is bringing, it, it's one thing, if a, if the U.S. team was any, had any, was any good, it would be so huge here in the States, because it's, it's again, it's, it's competing against the best in the world by country. So I'm going to take the World Cup of soccer, we got the Super Bowl, and we got the World Cup. What do you got next? I'm kind of having a brain fart here, but next. I, oh, okay. No, I would probably I say. I smelled something this No, did you hear? Right now, I'm going to probably. I'm going to go with the final four, of the NCAA championship. You're going with the final four. The final four. Okay, next. not the first two rounds. Uh, no, I'm going to go with the final four. Because I, I should always say, ever since I think the 1979-80, when of course when Bird played against Magic, that just kind of catapulted everything, as you know. So yep. I'm going to go with that. I'll give you that one. All yes, right. I'll give you that one. Because so, those are my two favorite players, and you know, and I and I'm a basketball guy, so I, you know, I got to throw that in there. So now I got I now that baseball's changed the wild card. I will tell you something. The last year that wild card game at New at, at Boston, New York, Boston, I was Jack and I went to. 
That was maybe that was a that, that's a winner go home. It's everything's on the line. Any winner go home baseball. Oh yeah, that was game. the one game. Yeah, and they one beat game. them. Right. They beat them. Yep. Xander hit the two run bomb in the first inning, and then my friend from New York called a Stantonian home run, which hit the fence. And why is he not running? Because it hit the wall. You knuckle it. <laughs> someday I have to get the sound of that. I'll get that. But no, I, I think a one and done kind of. So a game seven, any game seven, I'll take baseball because I'm a baseball guy. But when yeah. you get to game seven, you know. This is when everything is on the line, no matter what it is. Like tonight or this afternoon, it's 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, the Yankees, again, will date us. But there's a baseball game today where it's a game five. You win or you go home. Those, I, I like that. You know, it's like the Super Bowl. So I'll take a baseball game seven or one game, one day, one game uh, win. I'll get you another one. See if I can think of another one. You're on. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, let me see another one. Ooh. Oh, Okay. Back in the day, yes, and I should have this. I would think is a great. I'm gonna say that is like a boxing match. Yeah. How about that? For, and I'm gonna say the one because I thought, uh, of course, in 1986, it's famous. My father went out to it. It's it's a famous one. It went out, you know, when Marvin Hagler. Yeah. Fought Sugar Ray Leonard. Right. And those days are gone. It's a great. It's well, a great idea. I, I right, Jim, because boxing's changed and yep. everything. But don't forget, in the 80s and 90s, and it was crazy. I was telling the story to somebody in the 70s right. when Ali was coming back from the, uh, the state-imposed uh, little break he had to take because they wouldn't let him be a conscience and exempt of war. But we're not going to go politics today. Right. Uh, uh, they used to do the fights in closed circuit. And there was a, uh, back in Reading, Pennsylvania, there was the, called the Astor Theater. And I remember my people used to go pay tickets. Go, you go to the theater, watch the, watch the Thriller in Manila, watch the George Foreman fight, watch the first Frazier fight, watch the third Frazier fight. You know, so, uh, yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a good one. I like the, a, a real one-time great heavyweight fight. Right. But you like that Hagler fight was not Hagler and Hearns and that was middle, uh, and right? Leonard yeah oh, right. Hagler Hearns and, and Hagler Hearns and so it was Hagler Hearns Leonard and Duran that 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 eighties well, there were some great fighters unbelievable but I get that's I, I like that one I you like, like that the, one. and then you remember the fight well he was remember remember Ray Boom Boom Mancini yes not too little trivia you remember he fought that guy I'll never forget it they beat each other up so much as a trivia the guy actually ended up dying do you know his name. If I think I know, it was like Woo Woo Kim, I think. Duke Koo Kim. Wow, Jim. Very, can you believe? In, can you believe I know that? That's that, that's when I'm you know sick, you got. You I'm got, a sick guy. Yeah, you uh, You got issues. Yeah, I got I'll issues. I always say people, they don't even know. <laughs> Everyone's a Johnny come lately, Jim. I got issues. Yeah, people got, no, but that's you a good, I, I like that. Oh, I thought I <laughs> did too, but everyone's all, but. Mr. Friggin' Trivia. I'll tell you, that's some good trivia. And you remember, they just literally, I will never forget that fight. They just went in there and they literally just beat the crap out right. of each other. That's true. But people don't, and you know, he really never, but that was just, that That was when boxing was boxing. Yeah. Men were men and so were the Totally women. agree. And then it just went. Okay, the, good. So uh, final one for me is the 100-yard uh-huh. um, dash at the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, which is, again, we talk about boxing. It's something we've lost a little bit of flavor for because it, it, sports are everywhere on TV. Right. Uh, but it, I can remember those, those, those men, you know, you go all the way back to Jesse Owens, and then you come up to Carl Lewis, and you come up to Ben Johnson with the cheating scandal there. And then, you, and you go to you got the Usain Bolt, who was just a phenomenal athlete and a runner and quick, and big tall guy. Right so I, I'll go with that. So you know, I like that. We got the Super Bowl. We got a couple game sevens. We got the boxing match. We got the hundred yard dash at the Olympics. What else do we have on there? I forget. Oh, the NCAA Final Four, the which Final I Four. totally agree on that. Huh. You know, I, I can't believe we don't have the horse jumping competition in the Olympics. But, you know, sometimes you can't get that. Yeah, Jim, I don't think you can go wrong with any of it. Again, it all comes up to people's opinions. Correct. And you can't go wrong with any of it. But I totally agree with 
There's a lot of good stuff in there. So we're eventually going to do the bucket list, the Tommy's Mount, Mount, Lush, Mount Rushmore, a bucket list things that he'd like to do or has done. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm a little bit older than my friend Tommy by a couple of years. So I've done a little bit more. I've lived a little more longer life. Right. But that's great. I love doing I love doing the Mount Rushmore's here because I could, you know, I, I would never, ever have thought of a boxing match. Oh, God, I'll give you credit. And now because it's a boxing match, ding, ding, time to the next round. <laughs> right. Uh, final thing uh, usually we do is a pet peeve. And I actually, I actually have two of them. Okay. Um, I'll be real quick. My first one is... Um, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, thinking they're being funny. They throw the goalpost in. They take the goalpost, throw in the river, and they got that, that crap going on. You know, you know. I don't care the kids do that, but they open up a GoFundMe page, and the Jack Jacks tell me they got like an eight hundred million dollar endowment, and they make a hundred million dollars a year from the SEC. Goddamn, buy your own goalpost. But then you know what I found out today? Hmm. I found out today they could find a hundred grand because they ran, uh, they attacked the field because in 2006 the basketball team violated the fans on the field so that was their first offense second offense I think is like a hundred grand third offense is 250 so oh now they're out a hundred grand and two goalposts no. I just that's I'm, and my other pet peeve was yeah. it was uh, the major league baseball when it's raining and it's and you're gonna think you're gonna start a game at 10 o'clock at night can't you goddamn think of be smart I'm gonna be sound asleep at 10 o'clock at night I don't want to be watching a ball game at ten. Yeah, reschedule, reschedule right? like yeah. to, that's my second pet peeve. Anything on your trip, pet peeve from your trip? Your wife drive you nuts? Oh. Anything like that? Oh, sorry, Lisa. I know you're listening. <laughs> no, but like again, like yeah, it's just. I got to be honest with you. It's a lot of this coaching, just the coaching in the NFL. How Jim, these last two minutes, how these coaches manage the time. It's crazy how with these timeouts and you hear what this guy's doing in Denver and I don't know, just a lot of the just a lot of the coaching in the last two minutes just it amazes me. It's just how it's just a pet peeve. They're just not using it right. They're just not using their timeouts. How they calling them? Some of the play calling in the last two minutes. Just how they manage the last two minutes. Totally agree with you. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I'm not being. It's so it's much. Not you. It's not, and it's so much. And these guys are making millions of dollars. I mean, when they're on the sidelines, I understand it's much harder. But they work 100, 150 hours a week, don't they? Go over these things. I mean, I don't. I don't get. No, it. they don't. Obviously, they don't. They, so don't most they, of, they can pay me. They want to pay me 100 grand. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll Jim, I would. The clock for them. They don't even, Jim. Like you said, absolutely. Like back in the day, my father would have to watch the clock. You, you know now, real. Because we're going to Tommy Trevisani trivia. Right. Now, I do have a pet peeve about your last trivia question. I do. Because it's a little bit shady. I looked it up. You know, who was the last, who was the only gentleman to lead the ABA, NBA, and college basketball in scoring? Now, my initial guess was correct. Because I could only think of one guy who led the NBA in college in scoring. And he, he played for a, a, a program that was on probation in college, so nobody really heard of him. University of Miami. Okay. Okay. And then in the, he went to the NBA. He played for the Warriors. Yep. Right? And he won a scoring title with the Warriors, I think, in like his first or second year, 67-ish. And then he went to the ABA, and he played three or four years for the ABA. Not many because the Nets. He played for the um, Oakland Oaks. Oakland he Oaks, He played I for think, the yeah. Wa Washington Caps. He right. played for the New Jersey Nets. Now, he technically led the ABA in scoring. One year when he played 34 out of 75 games, so his scoring average was technically. Uh, no, no, I, just, I just wanted to bust a chance. <laughs> I'm fun. only you. I so know, the answer I, there, if you if you don't know who it is already, it's Mr. Underhand Free Throw Rick Barry. Absolutely. So I like to nitpick on crap sometimes. No, I like that. That's, that's it's good. It's a good question. And Miami, you know, University, the Hurricanes, then they uh, dropped their basketball program. Just, no, they did, they dropped their football program. Their basketball program floundered in in nowhere. Yeah, and you they know, dropped that too. They were really weird. Basketball. They were, and you know, Jim, you talk about him like not saying he was um. 
He was a great player in his own right, Rick Barry. You know, he wasn't like, he was like 6'6", but he did all, he could do everything. He could pass, shoot. He was a little before my time. You know, I was born in 1970. I seen him in the mid-70s. I remember him a little there with Golden State. But, I, again, he was a little before my time, but he was a great player. Okay, so the question, the answer to that question was Rick Barry. Okay, so let's go. We're running out of time here, Tommy. You got one for right, me What's your not? rush, brother? Come on. What's my rush? I got to go home and cook dinner. Yeah, for well, I don't. you have a wife at home. No, Kelly can do that. No, Kelly is on the road today. Again, my on. Where is she now? I'm not telling you there. You might well, she doesn't want to, yeah, anything to get away from you. Actually, friend. Kelly and Amanda are both on the road today. Oh, good for it's, them. Just, it's just a bachelor. It's it's not bachelor because I'm not bachelor. It's just boys' night at home, keeping it clean. Oh, sure my boy stink. Jack, I got to come over there. I last about five minutes. You wouldn't make it even three with Jack. All right, what what do you got for trivia? You know what, Jim? I'm going to keep this one. I mean, we're talking about everything today, so I'm going to do it on the baseball level today. <laughs> this is kind of I think a really easy <laughs> one. Don't believe this one. Yeah, who's the only player in Major League Baseball history to win Most Valuable Player in both leagues, the Good American question. and National League? Yes. Okay, we're going to leave that up to everybody to answer. And again, so and if you do again, like we say, we do every week. You want to uh, look for edible arrangements. They will give out a. Actually, if you get this answer, you have to go in, talk about me and Jim's show, and then you know the stores are actually in Beverly Peabody, Beverly Peabody, and I'm having them right. And, no, in Lynn, Jim. Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. Lynn. All you got to do is go in and ask for Nick Deliva. Send that. Um, Jim Boyle and Tom Trevisani sent you from their podcast. If you get the answer right, you walk in and you get a, you'll get a nice free box of chocolate-covered strawberries. Got a hint for you. He was a Triple Crown winner. Mm. And he was, and also, Jimmy, he was a manager, too. Oh, whoa, day. don't give that many hints out, geez. Well, I don't know Please. these people, and no one go on their phones either. Okay, uh, don't look it up. Okay, so, uh, again, a great conversation we had today on our, actually, our third episode. Uh, good to have you uh, join us here on We've Seen Enough. Uh, and like I said, I want to thank Tommy for coming back with great stories about Chicago and Indianapolis. It's awesome to hear. And uh, for Tommy Travisani, I'm Jim Boyle for the We've Seen Enough podcast, and we'll see you on down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough. <laughs>